welcome to The Vessel, where yoga, beauty, and philosophy intersect. I'm your host, Vanessa Dove, yogini, model, and moonlight philosopher. Flowers are important to me on so many different levels. Not only do they have culinary importance, but I use them a lot in skincare too. And on a deeper level, mindful consumption of certain medicinal and psychedelic flowers has been really helpful in my yoga and meditation practice. And it's also helped me to become a more integrated, balanced person. Some of my favorite medicinal flowers and herbs include roses, cannabis, golden poppy, lemon balm, valerian, damiana, and chamomile. So I recently got a consultation with this local Mexican herbalist and she advised me to start taking holy basil every day. So holy basil is also known as Tulsi and its scientific name is Asamam Tanuaflorum. And in Hinduism and yoga, Tulsi is actually very sacred and it's considered to be an earthly manifestation of the goddess Lakshmi, who is a goddess of fortune and beauty and all types of great things. I find this concept really fascinating and attractive um, simply because it's the divinization of plants. So it's not just a trendy superfood, right? It's more than that. It's sacred. It's connected to the gods. And it's said that choosing to grow and take care of holy basil will bring the blessings of Vishnu, who is a lord of yoga. Holy basil is also especially sacred to Krishna, who is an avatar of Vishnu, and we know is one of the stars of the Bhagavad Gita. So growing holy basil and mindfully consuming it can actually be an avenue to yoga, specifically bhakti yoga, if it's done with intention and purpose. Bhakti yoga is the yoga of loving devotion. So if you're someone who likes to keep an altar, if you like to pray, or want to incorporate more faith and love into your yoga, bhakti yoga is for you. Uh, Right now I'm actually drinking a tea that has holy basil and roses in it. And this is a new daily practice that I'm committed to. Um, Honestly, holy basil just makes me really happy when I have it. Um, I thoroughly enjoy drinking the tea and I'm really happy that it's a daily part of my life now. The next apartment that I move into, I really want to start gardening again. Um, And I specifically want to grow holy basil in addition to some of my other favorite plants. Um, I stopped gardening about a year ago. So I actually used to cultivate commercial cannabis at one of the most well-known cannabis nurseries in the state of California. But a year of that, in addition to bad manager politics and a draining work culture, made me feel like I had just spent a year doing hard physical labor. Super not into it. Um, From a very basic aesthetic level, you know, just not into it. Um, I wanted to get my nails done and not worry about them getting dirty. On a physical level, you know, I was feeling tired and crampy after moving seven gallon mother plants around under metal halide lighting all day. And I was also simultaneously getting a degree in horticulture at the time, which is the science and art of gardening. Uh, But about two years into that, just the the pressures of academic work, coupled with working as a professional cannabis um, cultivator, just really rotted my love for plants and being in the garden. Uh, And I really had to take a break from it. So, you know, I've been on a break and 
It was during this break that I really realized that I don't have to make gardening or any other hobby of mine a side hustle. Like it is okay to enjoy your hobbies or art making and take it seriously without making it your new side job. You know, I really can't stand capitalist work culture just pressuring us to pimp out every single hobby of ours to make a dollar. Um, and now that I, you know, am getting back into gardening and plants for me, I'm really falling in love with it again. And, you know, and so I, I really don't plan on putting money or, or academia back into it anytime soon. So advice for everyone else out there. Especially now that, you know, with the disruption of American work culture and the continuation of the pandemic and the civil uprising, you know, now's a really great time to get back into the things that used to bring you joy. So for my methods of floral consumption, I like using a combination of things. I like using tinctures, usually alcohol-based. Um, alcohol is directly absorbed through the stomach lining, so this makes it a pretty excellent vehicle to take in medicine. I also use hydrosols or floral waters, loose leaf tea, and then some prepackaged tea. I'm going to start using some flower essences, another suggestion from the herbalist, uh, which is a subtle way of experiencing the plants. I'm actually going to be talking to a guest a little bit later about floral essences, so super excited for that conversation. Now, I consume cannabis through vaping. So I have a handheld device that actually lets me control the temperature, and it also lets me vaporize concentrates if I need a, a heavier dose. And temperature control and cannabis consumption is an important and often overlooked factor for most consumers, unless you're, you know, you're a seasoned concentrate consumer. So the terpenes and cannabinoids that are responsible for the medicinal and psychedelic effects of cannabis all have different activation and boiling points. So being in control of the temperature can really take your experience to the next level. I occasionally smoke uh, herbal blends or I'll occasionally smoke um, like a hemp leaf uh, joint or, or blunt of cannabis. Um, but in general, I, I do try to stay away from smoking just because it does have a drying effect on the body, especially when you have higher levels of THC. So, you know, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, is the main cannabinoid found in cannabis. It is a psychedelic component, and it will also dry out the mucous membranes of the body. So it's really not great to be smoking this in dry climates or if you already have some type of irritation, dryness, or inflammation in your nose or eyes. So super important, uh, important to be moisturizing when you're doing this. Um, but yeah, some of the other herbs that I really like and will occasionally smoke blends out of include mugwort, damiana, sometimes lavender buds, and maybe some melon and blue lotus. But let's talk about the historical use of cannabis within yoga traditions because this is actually where it gets pretty interesting. So when I took my cannabis yoga teacher training in Los Angeles at the Lit Yoga Studios, I was taught the story of the churning of the ocean of milk. So once upon a time, the god of the sky and heavens, Indra, was riding his elephant and enjoying his day. He came across a wise old man named Durvasa, who gave him a garland of flowers that a nymph had given him. The god of the heavens put the garland of flowers on his elephant, but the elephant was annoyed by the bees that the flowers attracted, so he ripped it off. 
Feeling disrespected, the wise old man, Durvasa, cursed Indra and all the other gods to be powerless and unlucky forever. The universe quickly spun out of control until the gods begged Lord Vishnu, the lord of yoga, for a solution. Vishnu promised to restore their strength by ordering them to prepare Amrita, which is a sacred substance like a nectar, like honey, that bestowed immortality and strength. He said, do now as I command, cast into the milky sea potent herbs, and then take the mountain, Mount Mandara, for a churning stick, the serpent, Vasuki, for rope, and churn the ocean for the dew of life, Amrita. So the gods agreed to make an alliance with the demons and to churn the waters of the ocean of milk to get this elixir that would restore their power. Using the mountain as a giant spoon and the holy snake from Shiva as a rope, they churned and churned the ocean of milk. And during this mixing of the ocean of milk, a lot of things fell out, including wine. Her name is Varuni, and it's said that she had rolling eyes and was very beautiful. This was followed by the moon, which the lord of yoga Shiva caught and placed upon his brow. Finally, a cup of Amrita fell out, lighting up the eyes of both the gods and the demons with desire. And little drops of Amrita, this dew of life, sprinkled onto the earth. And it's said that wherever the drops of this nectar fell on earth, cannabis and hemp plants grew. So that is a wonderful bedtime story uh, to tell any of your kids. But it's also a really whimsical origin story for, you know, the history of cannabis. And it's definitely one that I would love to add to um, my cosmology and belief system. And I think that, you know, for us practicing yogins who do want to incorporate things like cannabis and other herbs into our practice, this story gives us um, a mythological and philosophical place to start from, right? So it's not like we're just pulling this out of thin air and that we're just hippies who like to smoke weed and do yoga. It's like this is something that has actually been within yoga and Hindu traditions for a while. Now, no matter how controversial it might have been, you know, that's a different discussion. But so, yeah, that's just a little bit of backstory about yoga and cannabis. But that was a lot of talk about plants. So we're going to take a break real quick. And then when we come back, as expected, I'll be doing the model pick of the week. Super excited for this week, like I am every week. And then after that, I will be interviewing two people that are very special, um, a local florist and spirit worker, as well as a movement specialist and yoga teacher and founder of Lit Yoga Studio. So stay tuned.
welcome back. That was a short interlude and now we are going to jump right into my model pick of the week. So my model pick this week is Brittany Hoffner. Brittany Hoffner is a five foot four model and dancer from Colorado, currently located in Los Angeles. Hoffner was one of the original American apparel models and is a current model for Los Angeles apparel. Now, both LA Apparel and American Apparel have a whole list of controversies surrounding them because of their owner, Dob Charney. If you're interested in keeping up with the latest allegations against people in the entertainment and fashion industry, I would highly suggest researching uh, this case. But back to Brittany Hoffner. So what I like about Hoffner is the raw sexuality she exudes through her face. She has really simple features, uh, you know, really simple blonde hair, blue eyes, but she's really good at using her facial expressions and body posture to tell an authentic narrative around sex appeal and innocence. Some of my favorite shoots by her were shot by Tatiana Marti for Los Angeles Apparel, as well as other Los Angeles-based photographers, Nick Sabatalo, Emma Bella, and Alexander Black. She's not currently signed to an agency and therefore does not have a profile on models.com. However, bookings for Britney are currently being handled by Petal LA. You can find Britney on Instagram at Britney Hoffner. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-H-O-F-F-N-E-R. And now I'm going to welcome on two guests who I'm really excited to be interviewing. So we've got Devin of Antheus Design. Devin is an animist, spirit worker, and florist based in San Francisco, California. He brings years of experience in floral design and ritual work to his projects and clients. As a ritualist, he creates, leads, and holds space for transformative ceremonies specializing in ecstatic, initiatory, and purification work. Devin also serves the broader community in the spiritual triage and temple space hosted by Strong Roots and Wide Branches, which is a polytheist and animist learning community, as well as Oakland's Temple of Dionysus. We're also interviewing Hannah Mason today. Hannah Mason is a movement educator, dance artist, and herbalist. Mason is the founder of Lit Yoga, a yoga and plant medicine studio based in Los Angeles that offers classes and continuing education for yoga teachers. Hannah believes in the power of blending somatic practices with plant wisdom to heal and transform. So let's welcome our guests onto the show. Hey, Devin, Hannah, welcome to The Vessel. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Hi, Hi thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited for this episode. Um, I feel like every episode gets a little bit better, um, but, you know, flowers definitely hold a really important um, role for me in my practice, especially with um, yoga, and there's actually a history behind it, so I'm really excited to kind of dig into that a little bit, and then also just, you know, talk to the both of you and and learn about um, a little bit more about your practices and your offerings. So Devin, I actually wanted to have you offer a blessing for us at the beginning of this um, guest portion of the episode. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, blessings to all those assembled here. Blessings to those listening at home. Uh, blessings to the lands upon which each of us stand and sit. Blessings to the original inhabitants of those lands. Um, where I am, that's the Ramatush speaking Ohlone. Uh, we acknowledge their sovereignty here and we thank them uh, for the hospitality to do this work. May their descendants know joy and justice in this lifetime. Blessings to each and every one of our spirits, to our guides, guardians, ancestors, protectors, those who take an interest in our life and our work. I pray that a strong container be held so that we may do that work uh, and that whatever needs to be spoken in this space can be spoken. Blessings to the gods on high, especially the gods of the flowers. Blessings to the flowers themselves. Blessings to the mothers, to the weavers, to the web, and to the spiders. Wow. Mm, that was beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect segue into Devin. Um, what is it that you do? How do you work with the flowers? Well, I guess first and foremost, I'm a floral designer. Um, so I arrange flowers for, uh, my background is in uh, retail floral um, and high-end floral events, but I've been pivoting more towards doing editorial work, uh, styling flowers for photo shoots. And um, I often get commissioned to make flowers for different altars at, at public events. And yeah, so I, I work with the flowers in a number of ways. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I know some of your work was featured in Vogue. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so I'm part of a project called Legends of Drag which is a photo series documenting elders in the drag community. Um, so performers who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, and one of my jobs with that project is to style flowers for the portraits. And so we've shot with 20 queens almost. Um, after this week, we'll have shot with 20 queens. And yeah, each of them gets like a custom floral arrangement either something to hold or something to wear or some, some sort of like installation that they can exist within for the portraits. Um, and yeah, the first four portraits we did uh, in San Francisco were published on Vogue.com. And then that was last year. And then this year we had another eight portraits published in Harper's Bazaar. Um, so yeah, my flowers were, that was definitely a lot of exposure for my flowers. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, Harper's Bazaar and Vogue, that's, you know, that's big time. So um, I'm so excited to see where your work shows up next. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, um, Hannah, so welcome. Um, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of taking both of your trainings, Hannah and um, Devin. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Um, I... So the work that I do, uh, especially around like plants and flowers is mostly with cannabis, but I am a practicing herbalist, um, a learning herbalist. There's so much wisdom that comes from plants. And so it really does feel like a lifelong journey of uh, becoming more intimate and closer with the plant families. And um, so I combine that uh, knowledge and education with yoga and movement uh, dance, somatics, so really the practice of embodiment and coming into our bodies and then connecting that um, 
to the the wisdom that we get from the earth and from plants and i feel like those two practices for me are so similar of you know getting to know a plant or an herb and understanding uh, how it can support our bodies and our health and then also just getting to know our bodies and understanding how um, how we work and how we can create optimal environments to thrive. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many herbs and medicinal flowers that we can use to, as you said, increase our embodiment. Um, what are some plants that you work with or that you would suggest to someone who has like a movement practice like yoga or dance or, you know, something like that to enhance their experience? Um, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, cannabis is one of the main ones we work with. I started a yoga company um, about three years ago called Lit Yoga, and we specifically started working with the cannabis plant in conjunction with our yoga classes. And this was um, right before cannabis went recreationally legal in California. And we realized that as there was this huge movement towards legalization, there was really a need for a deeper understanding about how this plant works and the ways that we can use it to support us. And also the ways that um, we need to be mindful about, you know, maybe not over consuming or not harming um, the plant or the the earth and the soil by the practices in which we grow the plant as well. So uh, cannabis is definitely one of my favorite plants to just bring me right into my body. It connects me to my breath. It connects me to the physical sensation, um, the kinesthetic sense, which is the sense that shows us like how and where we are in space. So it's like our ability to perceive where we are um, in space with our body. And yeah, it's just an incredible plant for just dropping you right into that physical awareness. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorites. I also love rosebuds and the rose plant as a way to bring people into their body because it really directly connects us to our heart. Um, and that's so much of our expression and our connection to others and to the world. And then um, the third one that I really love is Damiana, which is a slight aphrodisiac. Uh, some people call it the lucid dreaming tea. So it definitely has more of this like mind element and uh, mind experience. But I noticed that it, yeah, just something about the smell of it. And when I drink it as a tea or take it as a tincture, I just become really uh, tuned in and really aware of all of my senses. So those are definitely in my top three for, for embodiment plants. I love that. Yeah. I, I also love roses and Damiana. Um, I actually have some in my cabinet. I probably will be making some tea of that later. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Devin, uh, this makes me want to ask you, what are some of your favorite plant allies and spirits that you work with uh, specifically for being in your body and, you know, being present and grounded? The first that comes to mind for me is blue Lotus. Um, Nymphae cerulea, which has a really long tradition of uh, ritual use going back to ancient Egypt. And there's a lot of people believe that the reference to the island of the lotus eaters in the Odyssey um, probably is referencing blue lotus. Um, it's also, it's like a mild euphoric, mild aphrodisiac. Um, I feel like it really puts me in my body and uh, kind of reorients me to sensation. I think in my experience, it also like 
it has good synergy with other plants. Um, you can smoke it with cannabis. Uh, you can make a tea of it. The best preparation that I, I enjoy is uh, to soak it in wine for two weeks and then drink the wine. But yeah, I, I definitely would name Blue Lotus as like a major uh, plant ally. Um, I also really like mugwort uh, for embodiment. Um, I find that like all, most people who kind of use mugwort magically are using it for dream work, which is great. But I think that in waking life, mugwort, even just a mugwort flower essence can be really helpful in kind of connecting spirit to body and like helping us to exist in this plane while also being like, you know, tapped into the further reaches of where our spirits can go. Yeah, I love that. You mentioned uh, flower essences. And this is actually a conversation I was having with a Mexican herbalist the other day um, over how flower essences are really good ways to take in more of the subtle essence and the subtle lessons that plants have to offer us. Um, I know that with some of the like more potent herbs, like let's say kava kava and valerian, you know, there is a chance of, um, you know, a mild amount of addiction that can happen there. So uh, a way to mindfully consume plants um, is to use flower essences. Um, You've worked with those before, right, Evan? Oh, yeah, I love flower essences. They're one of the, honestly, like working with flower essences is one of the ways that I really learned to to kind of... um, orient towards energy and towards subtle forms of healing. In addition to flower essences being a great workaround for plants that could have the potential for developing an addictive relationship, what's also cool about flower essences is is that it's a great way to work with poisonous plants if you don't want to be like consuming the biochemical material of the plant. Because again, if an essence is made properly, there's almost no amount of the actual plant in it. It's kind of a it's a vibrational medicine. And so, yeah, a lot of the more, Sarah Ann Lawless has like a whole line of like flower essences she makes of uh, poisonous plants. So Datura, Mandrake, Henbane. Um, And if you're interested in kind of that type of uh, relationship with those type of like chthonic plants or like other world kind of like journeying allies then um, an essence is a really great way to to take them in a way that's physically safe for you I love that um yeah and I know that so there's so many different ways to take in um you know herbs and stuff Hannah I know you are a wonderful could I call you a tea sommelier are you would you say that you are a like tea connoisseur I don't know if there's like a a specific name for that but you're great with leaf tea (laughs) yeah definitely yeah sometimes I use the term tea priestess um but yeah I've been practicing tea ceremonies um coming on like seven years now. So that was definitely my first real introduction to working with different herbs and plants and um, starting to notice all the the just wide spectrum of benefits and energies that they can all bring. Um, and yeah, I've, I've loved being able to share that knowledge with people through tea ceremony because it's such a kind of vibrant social way where we get to engage with community and nourish ourselves. Um, A little side story, I discovered uh, tea ceremonies, I think I was around, I was in my early 20s, and I was 
really not interested in spending time at bars. And I found a tea house in San Francisco where I grew up that was open until 2 a.m. And it created this alternative environment where you still got to gather with your friends and, um, you know, drink and, you know, just enjoy uh, sharing that time together. But it was just a, such a different experience than being with alcohol or in a bar environment for me. So that was really what opened my eyes up to the whole world of plant medicines and using them just in so many different ways. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, alcohol, it is like such a downer. And I find that it's kind of the antithesis to being in your body. Well, I mean, you know, there's a very like, I feel like a sweet spot of like, when you found that right place versus like, when you drink Mm -hmm. too much, and now you're, you're not aware, and you're you're kind of disconnected. Um, Ooh, is there some tea being poured right now? No, uh, not on not on my end. Not on my end. I'm I'm hearing some water sounds though. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. That's it's a sign. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I had some questions I wanted to ask. You know, so is it possible? I mean, like we were talking about how um, finding embodiment through the flowers, but specifically, I wanted to ask: Do you think it's possible to find a sense of safety and confidence? with the flowers like can herbal flowers and medicinal flowers be used to let's say boost someone's confidence Mm, I love that question um yeah I think definitely I think that you know when it really comes down to it we are earth we are nature and we're so we're so um deeply connected to plants and one one thing I was learning about was Uh, the immune system of a plant or, you know, different plants kind of have their own unique immune system, essentially. So when we take that plant into us, it interacts with our immunity and our immune system to support us. So I think that um, there's, yeah, there's ways to tap into plants to help us connect more to ourselves. And I think that's really where safety and confidence and what you're speaking to begins with. It's our our feeling of really knowing ourselves and feeling comfortable in that place. Um, And I think plants are such great teachers to remind us that we're not separate from earth and we're not separate from nature. And that once we kind of tap into that, we feel connected to something much larger than just ourselves. And I think for me, even like that brings so much confidence and a feeling of safety and security. And like, I have meaning being here on this planet at this time. Mm, Yeah, you just you spoke to two things that I kind of wanted to zone in on. You said you said that confidence, part of confidence is knowing yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you talked about feeling like you're connected with something greater than yourself at the same time. I mean, this sounds so much like yoga philosophy one on one, right? (laughs) You know, like one of you could argue that one of the uh, aims of yoga is to know yourself. And I mean, that is one of the ethics of yoga, right? Svadhyaya is study of the self. So I mean, yeah, definitely using flowers can be great, um, to enhance this study of the self. So I wanted to ask you, so if, you know, let's say there's a student or listeners who are listening to this right now and are curious about, potentially pairing, um, you know, floral psychedelics or plant medicine with the yoga practice. How can they do that mindfully? Hmm. Yeah, so I always encourage students to 
you know, it's, it's a journey of finding the plants that work for you. Um, and there's so many different options out there. And as there's kind of this uh, almost like a psychedelic resurgence happening, or even like a plant-based resurgence happening in our world, there's just a lot of different options. So finding, uh, tuning into what plants you are called to, um, and really allowing that intuitive sense to guide you as opposed to a more logical, like left brain, um, using your intuition to, to find the plants that work for you. And then using your practice of meditation before you're actually in your asana or your physical practice of yoga, using that beginning part to really sit with the plants and, and tune in, receiving messages from them, receiving their wisdom, um, finding the ways that you personally like to consume. So maybe that's making a tea, maybe that's smoking the flowers, maybe that's spraying a, you know, a hydrosol or something all around your space, like whatever it is for you that um, allows you to really connect to the smells and the and the energetics of the plant. Um, yeah, using that meditation time to tune in and then diving into your more physical practice. So then you, you receive the medicine internally uh, before moving into your physical practice. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, one of my former teachers actually gave me a mantra that I, I try and use every time before I consume cannabis, um, especially when I'm sitting down and meditating um, and holding a mudra. Um, but yeah, you kind of basically spoke to having a relationship with the plants, you know, with sitting and, and meditating um, and whatnot. Devin, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Um, Because I feel like you would have some interesting things to say. So, you know, the world that we live in now, it's dominated by capitalism. um, And we see the things like the commodification of plant medicine for the market. Mm -hmm. So, for example, white sage, right? You know, there there really is no relationship done in in the processing and growing of, you know, this plant on a commercial level. Um, So how can people develop a true sacred relationship with the plants while like kind of you know maybe sidestepping all of this um you know commercial filth Devin I thought you might have some interesting things to say about that yeah I mean I think that I'm really glad to hear the conversation move in the direction of of the relationship piece because I think that that's really important when we're talking about working with plants as allies or teachers or healers. Um, I also think that that's the basis of all spirit work, you know, whether the spirits you're engaging with are your own ancestors, whether you're engaging with, you know, holy powers, whether you're working with plants or stones or stars. I think that it's all relational um, and it's all, and any relationship has to be based on reciprocity, right? Like if we are just taking, if we are just consuming, if we are just exploiting, then that's, an unhealthy relationship that's not a relationship that is going to lead towards anything liberatory or anything generative or anything healing. Um, And so I think starting from a place of reciprocity and I think that like the more intimate of a relationship that we can have with uh, our own spirits, especially our plant spirits, the stronger that relationship is going to be and the deeper we're going to be able to go in whatever work we do. And so, you know, if, you're interested in working with a particular plant, like if you can grow it or find a place to visit it in the wild or have some way that you're able to like 
you know, make offerings to the plant itself, like uh, show your gratitude for it, like uh, strive towards some relationship of reciprocity. I think that that's um, really important. And I think, you know, you bring up the issue around white sage, which again, there's multiple issues. There's the overharvesting. There's the fact that indigenous peoples have consistently asked settlers to stop working with sage. Um, so there, you know, there's a number of reasons why. And I also think there's just a fundamental like, misunderstanding of, of what it's used for because people are using it out of context. Um, and so I think trying to inc- like develop a relationship on a personal level where we think about like what sort of like healing plants are going to work with our spirits, with our ancestors, with our guides, uh, with our context, with the place that we live. Um, for me, I, my go-tos, like I love, um, I love evergreens uh, for, for cleansing. Uh, rosemary uh, bay is especially something that I use, but um, yeah, I just, I, I really want to double down on that point about, relationship being like what makes it all work and that's that's true like in any spiritual practice definitely yeah um yeah mindfulness and harmony and relationships um and I feel like I mean you know as within as without I feel like the way you interact with plants is is probably you know in this context is probably going to translate to the way you interact with you know with others as well um and I think that for me being, you know, a practicing yogin, one of my goals is to develop harmony and like this kind of one pointed harmony and focus with all, um, you know, regardless of whether that's like other people or my family or myself or like my gods or like my plants, you know, I'm um, to be able to kind of maintain this level of yeah, harmony, respect, and like you said, reciprocity, um, an equal give and take in everything that I do, which is, you know, easier said than done. But um, Hannah, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I definitely uh, just so resonate with the the suggestion that Devin made of um, practicing growing it yourself. And I think that's something that you know, in our modern world, like a lot of people are really disconnected from the earth and just even the soil, like the experience of putting your hands in soil and um, watching the process of a plant from a small sprout to, you know, its full growth, like that teaches us so much just in the experience of growing something. Um, And I think that that's such a great way to connect with it and and of course finding teachers that um, are connected to indigenous traditions and can bring some of that awareness because I think that that's such an important part of the conversation as it becomes more widespread and more um, mainstream in a sense that we don't lose connection to just the the endless valuable wisdom that exists and um, yeah that we don't like just commodify it and turn it into, yeah, just something else that is sort of objectified in our modern culture. Yeah, and that reminds me of, you know, kind of this, this I don't know what you call it, practice or this phenomenon that we see happening, um, especially right now. And I feel like probably more so in the food industry, but this, you know, Westerners, quote unquote, discovering 
plants mm. or roots that are, you know, very nutritious that are superfoods and then being like, wow, look at what we discovered. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, people were eating this for thousands of years and, you know, you just found out about it. Right. But then it mm-hmm. becomes this this whole thing and, you know, trends and, and, and yeah, there's definitely a lot of work that I, we all have to do um, and that I think that yeah, all of us, all three of us are doing with our own leadership um, in the world, in the herbal world. So I definitely am excited to see. Um, yeah, more of that, more more recognition of of indigenous wisdom and respect for that. So, and now to, so let's maybe move on a little bit. I wanted to talk to a little bit about flowers and herbs for the use of like beauty and and nutrition. Um, I don't know if that's something that you work with or like research or teach, but I wanted to ask, so what, how can we use floral medicine or, you know, plants to help us be more beautiful? Is that even something that's possible? Oh, yeah. I I mean, rose water is like my daily skincare, like secret weapon. Yeah, I love rose water. Right now, I'm actually I'm using tea tree water. Um, And I think there's actually juniper water in there as well. Um, But just because it's summertime and my skin is so much more oily than it usually is. So the tea tree really helps to kind of cut through like the grease. But yeah, rose water is a staple for sure. Uh, Hannah, do you have any beauty secrets using plants you can share? Um, yeah, for me, it's so much about the um, the scent and the smells. And I think that even my experience of kind of beauty and what I think of with that, like it's such an internal um, starting from the internal and radiating out is really how I experience beauty. And so when I adorn myself with like the smell of jasmine or rose geranium um, or just, yeah, whatever I'm feeling that day, like that amplifies the, the, the energy and the beauty that I'm feeling. And so, yeah, for me, it's so much about pleasure too. And I think, um, taking the time to, you know, put on like an infused oil or, uh, just, yeah, adorning and lathering yourself with, with plants and their magic. Like for me, it's so much about the, the ritual. Um, and that's what feels beautifying for me. I love that. Yeah. On, um, on a previous episode, I talked about some of the, the epithets of the goddess of beauty, Aphrodite. And so many of them are words for like radiance and shining and golden. Um, so I appreciate that you brought up that definition of beauty as being something that radiates from the inside out, as well as being sensual and being uh, pleasurable. Um, Devin, what's your mm-hmm. definition of beauty? What is beauty to you? Oh dear, I I don't know if I can define. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can define beauty. Um, when I was a teenager, I was very influenced by a crime think poster that said, uh, "Beauty must be defined as what we are, or else the concept itself is our enemy." Mm. And I think that that's maybe as far as my thinking around beauty has gone. Obviously, I've had a different felt sense of of relating to it, and I'm glad to hear you bring up Aphrodite because it really is my relationship with that goddess that has kind of like helped me to deepen into an experience of what beauty is. And like Hannah says, it's something that 
has to begin inside of us and start from kind of like our own personal starfire and radiate outwards. Um, but for me, at least, like, that's part of what, what the flowers do, right? They're like, they're beautiful. They exist to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, by nature of how beautiful they are, they attract, they bring our attention to them. They bring the honey makers to them. You know, they are part of this kind of like, uh, you know, they just bloom. And I think they bring a certain sense of timing that is is really unique to flowers, right? Like when they're going to bloom, they bloom and then that's it, right? And so there's this kind of fleeting nature of, of beauty or this ephemeral uh, way where they exist in kind of perfection for a moment and then they're gone. And so as a, a floral designer, that's of course like where I'm paying my attention to them is like when they look the best, how they can be presented in a way that really like augments their own beauty or allows them to like you know you'll notice in my arrangements I give the flowers a lot of space I give them air I give them like negative space between each other and part of it is so that they can do what they want to do themselves right like part of understanding flowers as allies means that they have agency too right and therefore like there's they want to they tend in a certain direction they want to move a certain way like they turn towards the sun and I think that if we can give them the, the space and freedom to do that rather than these like tightly controlled, uh, t- like m- kind of like uniform floral arrangements that I think a lot of people are used to seeing, if we can w- let them show us what they wanna do um, and tap into our own intuition in that way and be receptive to what the flowers are gesturing towards, then they, they can really like give us a path to follow. And I think that if we, like they're beautiful beings and they can teach us to recognize that in ourselves as well. I love that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up um, um, flowers being beautiful and, and being shiny and, and radiant. And this reminds me so much of the California poppy, the golden poppy. Um, this has been a plant that I started growing last year actually and then I make my own tinctures out of it and then this in addition to lemon balm something about the combination of those two just I I describe it as like it creates an internal radiance like I feel shiny on the inside Hmm. um which you know I don't and it's yeah you can't you have to experience it to know um but yeah I thought those are two plants that I definitely use to feel beautiful and radiant from the inside out um, you know, I've had the privilege of taking your one of your floral design classes, Devin. Um, and I believe it was even called intuitive floral design. Uh, was that right? Was that what it was called? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, but was um, it you were you were at the the class that Napa and I did for Floralia last year? Yes. Yeah, flower magic. We called it flower magic. Okay, okay, flower. Yeah, yeah and it was. I think maybe it was my post on Instagram that was like the art of intuitive floral design or something dramatic. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. But um, so yeah, you just brought up floralia. Um, this is that's a big thing. Can you explain to our listeners what that is? So floralia is the ancient festival of the goddess Flora who was first a Sabine goddess and then became the Roman goddess of flowers. Um, and it's a five-day festival and it, was, it has a really interesting history. So at first it wasn't like an official holiday, like it was just, uh, but it was popularly put on by specifically people of, of the lower classes, by sex workers. Um, 
and they would have five days of performances and games. Um, it was said that nobody worked with garlanded brows, right? So like um, people were relaxing, playing. Um, it was said that, you know, Bacchus really loves flowers and delighted in kind of spending time with Mother Flora there. Um, and yeah, it, it's, Floralia is, it's an interesting festival. Uh, modern devotees of the goddess Flora practice it. Um, this, I really love the story of how it actually came to be an official Roman holiday though. So it's five days, it's April 28th through May 2nd. So it includes May Day. And so all of the kind of like uh, May associations that um, we can have with kind of that moment of, uh, yeah, like, resistance and beauty that happens kind of like so uniquely in springtime. All right. So Hannah, um, where can our listeners find out more about uh, this lit yoga practice and where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm located in Los Angeles. Um, and if you want to learn more about lit yoga, you can go to our Instagram at lit yoga. And we are also www.lityoga.com. We are launching our next teacher training virtually for the second time. Um, we're launching in September. So if you are a yoga teacher that's really passionate about plants and herbs and you want to start to combine um, herbal medicine and cannabis into your practices and into your teaching, uh, definitely reach out. We would love to hear from you. And yeah, if you're ever in LA, um, we have a new studio that we're building out in the arts district in downtown LA. So keep an eye out. For I that love as that. Well. I will 100% be at that studio at some point whenever it opens. So that's great. Yeah, we can't that's wait to great. have you down Devin, there. Devin, where can people find you? Um, I have a website. It's AntheusDesign.com. Um, Antheus is A-N-T-H-E-U-S. And um, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, Antheus with an underscore is, uh, is my handle. I love that. And what do you offer right now? So I know you do floral design, but what else do you offer? I know you're a teacher as well. Yeah, I, um, I do spiritual consultations. Um, so divination, I offer readings. Um, I help people to craft uh, practices, rituals to figure out yeah, who, who their spirits are and be in, in, in relation. So I'm available for readings, et cetera. I love that. And then they can find this all on your website? Yeah, it's all on my website. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for both being on here. Um, I have definitely benefited a lot from this and I'm, yeah, really excited for other people to hear this. So thank you so much. Yeah. Bless it. Yeah. It was such a pleasure. Of course. Thank you, Vanessa. Blessings. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.